0: You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, fave, subscribe, hit those notifications. If you are listening on your favorite audio platform of choice, which most of you are, please give us a five-star review and uh, actually write out why you like the show. Um, I think I've mentioned before that Spotify now has a review process. So give us five stars on Spotify. That always helps. And uh, leave a comment. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment. Let let us know why you like the show or whatever. (laughs) All this stuff boosts me in the algorithms. It helps me out. All right, joining me this week is a man that's widely known in the manosphere. He's a former secret agent, man of mystery. He worked in uh, government intelligence services, and he's a certified hypnotist. He's Ryan Christensen, and we go into a lot of depth into ways that hypnosis can help you Basically, dig out the garbage in your subconscious and fix some key problems that might be holding you back in life. And uh, I found it fascinating, and I hope you do too. And I'll bring you that conversation right after this. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by GhostBed. You want to get laid, right? Well, she wants to be comfortable while you do it. She doesn't want the spring from your old busted mattress jabbing her in the ass. So up your bedroom game and do her on a GhostBed. The link is in the description. Your purchase helps support the show, and she's going to come back for Mo. Win-win. See what I did there? Remember, use the link in the description. Oh, you'll sleep better too, but we all know what you hornballs really care about. Do her on a ghost bed. All right, joining me this week is a man widely known in the manosphere. He's a former spook and a current certified hypnotist. It's Ryan Christensen. How are you doing today?
1: Doing really well, man. It's been a good day.
0: That's awesome. You know, I, I we were talking about this offline, but mm-hmm. um, until I was doing my homework on this, I had no idea that you were so well known in the manosphere.
1: I've been around. I've been around. I've been in a <laughs> lot of groups, right? Like I, I joined up with Rich Cooper's group probably late 2018, early 2019, after I started trying to figure out how to get back in the dating scene because um, I got divorced a second time. And, uh, you know, I'd been in the, the BDSM, the quink, kink and the swing scene for like close to 15, 16 years at that point. And that scene, had really kind of turned. Um, and I really w- didn't fit in there anymore. So I'm like, okay, now I have to figure out how to date like normal girls, Mm-mm. which was a big thing. Cause I hadn't done that since like, I don't know, like high school, uh, <laughs> which was a long time prior to that, you know, 20 something plus years before then. Um, and so trying to hop on Tinder and figure that thing out and figure out Bumble and just like try and figure that was just a nightmare, especially in DC. DC is kind of known for being a tough dating market, kind of writ large. So got into Rich Cooper's group, um, started reading the Rationale again, going back through that material, um, got into John with modern life, dating his, uh, his body language mastery courses, um, and just started doing the work and, you know, getting introduced to guys like Troy Francis from there, Sterling Cooper from there, um, Paul Benjamin from Apex mindset. As one of uh, you know, met him through Rich Cooper's group, so just managed to get in with all these really great guys who are doing phenomenal work. So when I started doing hypnosis in early 2020, um, started off from my services and and making the rounds. You know, I do presentations for John for his uh, quarterly runnings. I usually pop in and do some work for Troy Francis whenever he is he has his uh his his um, courses that he runs every quarter um, on like mindset and game and everything else, and. You know, just saying, hey, this is where I am. This is what I'm doing. And because I had some credibility, because I'm already in those groups doing work and everybody kind of already knows me, I definitely made it a lot easier for me to to make uh, inroads quick.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes sense. So you're that was another thing that I noticed, too, in, in one of your interviews mm-hmm. that y- you were married twice. twice. Um, and uh, I was just I was curious about that experience. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is what I wrote down in my notes, uh, but y- you had like sort of learned a lot of the this, this similar stuff that, uh, you know, like the, the pickup artistry type stuff mm-hmm. to get into those relationships. But then once you were in those relationships, kind of fell back on old habits.
1: Well, the first marriage was back oh in my early 20s. God, how old was I then? Like 24, 25 years old. Um, I was in the Marine Corps. She was in the Air Force at the time. We met oh. in language school.
0: Okay.
1: You know, the, the junior listed special, um, and I was not game aware or red pill aware back then at all. I sure. was, I was definitely still in that, in that blue pill mindset, um, made every mistake under the sun. Uh, that one fell apart fairly quickly. I think we were married for like two, maybe three years at the most, um, before we ended up parting ways, uh, found out she had lied to me about being on birth control. That was kind of a big thing for me. Uh, yeah. That's kind of a big so deal. That one, that yeah. one, that one imploded. Um, and after that, you know, moved back to Kansas, spent some time there, moved out to DC in 2004, got involved in the kink in the swinging scene there and started looking into the pickup stuff. I want to say like 2007, 2008 timeframe and, um, had a lot more success with women because of that. Cause I actually kind of understood, you know, how to run game and what game was. Um, and that's how I ended up getting together with my second wife. who was probably the hottest woman I'd ever been with up until yeah. that point. Um, but of course back then you didn't really have the red pill per se. And relationship game wasn't really a thing you know you didn't have the married rental um you know the closest you had was athel k and his like uh married man sex uh sex life and the uh male action plan books that he wrote back then on kind of how to do relationships in a, in a more male focused way so i went back to the same old same old mm-hmm. right you know doing what she needed me to do and being what she needed me to be and give her what she wants and all this kind of stuff And we lasted about six and a half years before that one fell apart. And it was just a matter of like, I was not getting enough in return for everything I was doing. I was tired of having to sacrifice parts of myself and like hide who I was and not be really me. And I'm like, I'm done with this. And so I'm out. Mm. So it was after that second marriage that I got back into looking into the red pill more heavily and trying to understand like, why was I doing the things I was doing, try to figure out what I was doing wrong in relationships, when I was doing wrong, trying to attract women in the first place, trying to get all those questions answered that, you know, we need to answer as guys in order to live a good life, actually have the relationship we want and actually be able to get sex when we need it, be able to get the kind of women we want in our lives.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, one thing I've noticed is um, before a lot of the red pill stuff happened, right, There a lot of people came into the space from the pickup community, mm-hmm. learning pickup. But the pickup really teaches you how to get the girl initially. It doesn't teach you teach you how to maintain a relationship. And now that there's a lot of material available, I find that what a, a, a lot of guys do is they'll learn, you know, pickup. They'll also learn the red pill stuff mm-hmm. and they'll get into a relationship, but they'll still, they'll go, you know what? I don't need this anymore. I've got her. Right. And they'll still <sighs> fall back into the old habits. And then- yeah. That when, when things fall through, then they're they back in the community again. You're like, why the fuck did you stop?
1: Well, it comes to, God, there's so much on this one. So part of it is that there's a major difference between hiring and retaining, mm-hmm. right? You actually have to learn how to manage employees if you're going to run a business, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who are good at attracting talent, but are terrible at actually managing and keeping talent on board in a business. sense. And the same thing goes in relationships, right? being able to, to actually sell who you are as a man and the relationship you want to somebody and get them interested, that's actually relatively easy. Mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of the pickup stuff is based on create a cool front and a cool persona that they can enjoy long enough for you to get what you want.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The problem is there's usually not a lot of substance and not a lot of you in that persona you're creating. So you can only keep up that facade for so long before becomes obvious you're not actually rolling around in Lambos all the time. You're not actually popping bottles in Club 24-7, 365. And they're like, okay, well, I came for that. Where's the Lambos? Where's the bottles? You're not giving me that anymore. I'm out of here, right? So work that people don't tend to do or don't tend to do until they've had some success is they don't actually take a look at what's wrong with them and what kind of baggage and what kind of burdens they're carrying around in themselves and fixing that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that they can actually walk in and say, okay, this is who I actually am. And you want this guy. Yeah. Cause that's going to be a lot more fun and that's going to be a lot more sustainable and have a lot more depth. Right. So part of it is trying to build a relationship based on a persona that you can't sustain long-term. Part of it is that once you've got that person, you go back to who you are. Right. And if that wasn't who you're projecting in the first place, that's going to cause problems. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, a lot of guys don't actually do the hard work to take a look at who they really are inside and fix the stuff that's wrong so that they're walking into relationship, you know, whole and stable and solid so that they can actually move through the relationship whole and stable and solid. If you're off kilter, if you're needy, if you've got all this baggage you're carrying around, it's hard to run a relationship and lead a relationship from that position of strength because you're not actually in a strong position.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes a that makes a lot of sense. Now, you've only been doing the hypnosis. Uh, is it a hypnotherapist or hypnotist? So is there a difference? I'm a
1: hypnotist. Um, hypnotist. The difference okay. between a difference between a hypnotist and a hypnotherapist depends a lot on state law. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. In in. The state of Texas where I'm at right now, hypnotherapy is classed as psychology, as a psychotherapy. So you have to have a, you know, an actual PhD. You have to be licensed. You have to be, have a social worker degree or something like that. I don't have that. I'm just a hypnotist, right? Okay. I don't treat, I don't treat, you know, ailments and stuff like that. I don't diagnose people. I just help people solve problems. Got it. All right. And quite frankly, I like that approach better because it gives me a lot more flexibility in the models that I use and, and, and how to help people. Because for me, it's all about stories. Sure. It's all about the stories you tell yourself about who you are and how the world works and what things happen in your past and what those things mean. And it's those stories that kind of trap you in certain modes of being. So with me, I'm all about just working with figuring out what the stories are and helping you find better stories to tell. And yeah, I've only been doing this since, oh man, I got certified at the beginning of 2020, mm-hmm. started seeing clients in like April or May of 2020. So a little less than two years now. But the thing is that I spent 23 years in the intelligence community. Right. Right. I spent 23 years trying to figure out how things work at a distance when I had limited information. 23 years, like figuring out how these different systems worked, and trying to figure out what questions to ask to get to the pieces of the puzzle I didn't have so I could actually understand that. So you give me a tool like hypnosis where I get to ask your unconscious mind, the part of your mind that's running on stuff. Okay, cool. Why are you doing this? Like, show me the problem. Show me how this makes sense to shoot yourself in the foot every other day. Show me how it makes sense for you to give up frame and start being what everybody else wants you to be once you get in a relationship. Show me how it makes sense to procrastinate and not let you start the business you've always wanted, right? Mm -hmm. Those things have a purpose. Cool. Show me how. And then I get to go digging around to find out what that reason is. And once you have that, once you understand that story, then it's just a matter of showing your mind what it missed. And that's an easy, easy thing to do, right? Because I've spent 23 years doing exactly that. So even though I'm new in the hypnosis space, when it comes to like figuring people out and figuring out what's going wrong and figuring out how those stories work and figuring out how to change those stories to get to where you want to go, been doing that forever.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah, I was going to how how do you become a certified hypnotist like what what do you have to go to a school for that or uh well
1: yeah there's you know depending upon which school and which which uh organization you work with i originally got certified through the national guild of hypnotists here in the u.s that was 100 hours of training i did in person Um, a lot of it is about what hypnosis is different techniques to get people into hypnosis a few different things that you can do while you're there a lot of do's and don'ts a lot of ethical stuff a lot of legal stuff Um, But fundamentally, it doesn't take much to get certified as a hypnotist. I mean, learning how to hypnotize somebody, you could do that in an hour. Getting somebody in a trance is easy. If they want to go there, they want to play the game. It's easy, easy, easy to do, right? Mm -hmm. The magic is what do you do when you're there, Mm -hmm. right? And so for that, I've done probably 600, 700 more hours of training with different techniques and different theories and things like that. Um, Regression techniques and different uh, ways to get people in, different tips and tricks while you're there, how to handle different problems that come up that's where the magic comes in is figuring out how you take that altered mental state and do something useful with it. All right. So it took a while for me to go ahead and put together a tool set that allowed me to use, you know, that 23 years of experience in a way that I can use that to help people while I'm down there. Becoming certified as a hypnotist doesn't really do much um in and of itself. Like it's that basic grounded skill set of you can get somebody in, you know, the do's and don'ts, you know, the legal ramifications, you know, the ethical stuff you need to do from there. It's about, Giving the experience working with clients, building out your own tool set so that you can work best while you're down there, building out solution sets and getting familiar with all the different things that can happen when you're dealing with a client that's bringing you a messy situation, Mm -hmm. whatever that happens to be. Got
0: it. Um, Now, you helped a a, a mutual friend of Mm -hmm. ours. like, and he, he lives in another country. Like, how do you do that remotely? Like, can you hypnotize people like over Zoom? Don't do that to me, by the way.
1: (laughs) You're not paying me, so you're good. Okay. No,
0: sweet. All right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah. Fundamentally, you know, I started my business in the middle of the pandemic. Okay. So I have literally never seen a therapeutic client in person. Every single client I've seen, I've worked with over 450 people so far I've worked with over Zoom. Okay. All you really need to do is be able to listen to the sound of my voice. Hmm. And it's kind of like, think of it like you've got a meditation, right? You know, you yeah. close your eyes and these people tell you to relax these different things and take you on a little journey. Same kind of process, right? I'm doing a few different things and a few different tricks to take you to a deeper level of consciousness than where you go with meditation, but fundamentally it's kind of the same. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, there's all kinds of people that are selling like hypnosis audio recordings and, have, and got all kinds of hypnosis recordings on YouTube. Right. So if you can hypnotize somebody through recording on YouTube, then there's no reason I can't hypnotize you live over Zoom, right? Yeah, yeah. good point. And I say the same stuff. I've just got my voice. The advantage of being able to do this over Zoom is that I get to see you, and I get to see how you're reacting as you're going through that process. Mm-hmm. So I get to pick up on all those cues to say, are you going in there? How are you reacting to the process? As we're doing the, going there and digging around in your dark recesses of your mind, like is something scary coming up for you that I need to help you like, process in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, it's not really any different than doing it in person.
0: Got it. Okay. That makes sense.
1: You know? Yeah. My, uh, I don't have to touch you or like lift your arm or anything like that or like play with your head. There's different hypnosis techniques that say you should be doing this. I've been able to do it just fine without it. So.
0: Okay. That makes sense. My only experience with, uh, any kind of hypnosis is, um, my now ex-wife when she was pregnant with, uh, our daughter who, uh, is turning 17 here on Sunday. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But she was pregnant. She was like determined to have a natural childbirth. And mm-hmm. so she bought the hypno babies starter pack gotcha. and we had to sit there for weeks and months uh, like reading a script. I, I, it was my job to read the script because I was the hypnotist right. and <laughs> and man. I, I gotta say I suck at it because <laughs> she was in pain for like 33 hours. It just wasn't fucking working and it was yep. agony for me. Uh <laughs> trying to do that for 33 hours. So yeah, I'm I'm terrible at it.
1: No, fair enough. And yet the hypnobirthing <laughs> is hundred percent a thing. What's her name? Um Prince William's wife.
0: Uh I know who you're talking about. Yeah.
1: She had her Recent child, her most recent child, she had through hypnobirthing, so she used hypnosis for pain control during that. It's a hundred percent a thing. It's a hundred percent effective. It's probably best to hire somebody that actually knows what they're doing to do that, rather than trying to do it yourself at home. From a from a CD, <laughs> from yeah. a CD, yeah, yeah probably c- better to actually hire somebody to do that. A, a CD in yeah. a
0: binder with a script, yeah, doesn't yeah. that doesn't work? Not as well. not
1: as well. Not as well. <laughs> you kind of have to have some experience of what you're doing so you can actually make sure they get to where they're going, right? You know, especially sure. under a situation like that where they're in pain they're stressed, they're freaking panicking, everything's going sideways. Yeah, you definitely want a professional to do that. But hypnobirthing is 100% a thing. Hypnosis is actually incredibly useful for like long-term pain control. Yeah. The, uh, the woman who taught me hypnosis, for example, gets migraines all the time. So whenever she feels that migraine coming on, she just drops herself in hypnosis, goes in the back of her head, takes a pine dial, turns it down from like nine to like four. Mm-hmm. So she should go about her day, right? 100% a thing, right? There's all, ki- all kinds of different things you can use hypnosis to do. Yes. Yeah. A smoking, easy day right? You want to help yourself become more motivated, easy day. Um, it is as effective as medication and treating irritable bowel syndrome, mm. right? You can Gross, do all kinds okay. of, yeah, you can do all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff with it. Like fundamentally anything that your unconscious mind is connected to your subconscious is connected to, you can theoretically have, uh, affect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and, and that sort of brings me to the next mm-hmm. subject here, which is, you know, a lot of people hear the word hypnosis or hypnotist mm-hmm. and They sort of think of like parlor tricks, you know, making people quack like a duck at a party. What do do you say to people like that? You know, like that sort of crack jokes at it.
1: Well, sure. I mean, absolutely. But here's the thing. If I can make you do something ridiculous in front of a crowd because you're just out there to play the game, you're having fun, Mm -hmm. why can't we help you do something you want to do to change yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Guys who are working um, stage hypnosis, right, where they're doing stuff at parties or doing stuff at like, you know, school functions or out there in Vegas. They are really powerful hypnotists because they have to get people in hypnosis very, very quickly, very, very deep so that they can play that game. Mm-hmm. But the thing to remember is that everybody who hops up on stage wants to play that game. Mm. Right? They've essentially volunteered by how they've responded in the audience that they are willing to go along with this guy's instructions. They're willing to have that experience even though they know they're going to be doing ridiculous stuff like pretend that they're a stripper or James Bond or Quack Like a Duck or whatever the heck it happens to be, right? Yeah. The same kind of principle actually applies when people are coming to me to do therapeutic kind of work, or work doing change work. They are choosing to come to me to have this experience, to have a particular effect, and to have a particular end result. It's really no different, right? I'm just got to do a lot more work than the stage hypnotist does because I got to figure out what's actually wrong and come up with a solution so they actually live the life that they want to live. But it's you know fundamentally no different. You choose to play the game. And as long as you choose to play the game, you choose to follow along, you choose to let me lead you through that process where we can get you to the results you want.
0: Got it. Okay. Now, um, a lot of what you talk about in in some of your videos and interviews uh, that Mm -hmm. I've seen are the differences between the conscious mind, the subconscious, and how there's a thing called a critical factor Sure. That tends to reject things that our subconscious doesn't believe. Can, can you explain that a little bit more? Sure.
1: So the the concept of the critical factor is a concept in hypnosis that kind of defines the barrier between your conscious and your unconscious mind. Okay. We tend to think that our mind is judging true and false based on objective fact, right? Sky is blue or sky is not blue, right? Atoms are things, right? Women are hypergamous, whatever it happens to be. The problem is that our conscious mind and our unconscious mind actually process truth and falsehood differently. Our conscious mind is looking at objective fact, rationality, reason, logic, that kind of stuff. Our unconscious mind isn't running on that same kind of reasoning system. It's much more emotional. It's running off metaphor and story and symbolism, right? So it's not judging true and false based on objective fact. It's basically judging true and false based on how close that thing conforms to what it already believes.
0: This is a paradigm. This is
1: like paradigm. Yeah. Think about paradigms or beliefs, whatever you want to call it. Right. I like to think of them as stories. Right. So Mm -hmm. you get somebody who has, let's say, approach anxiety. They have difficulty going up and talking to women they want to. Right. Um, They get nervous. They get anxious. They get afraid. They get afraid of judgment. Right. Afraid Mm -hmm. of rejection. Often there's a story that they're not good enough in some way or that they don't deserve. Okay. So their unconscious mind is looking around and saying, okay, that woman's hot. I don't deserve her. I'm not good enough for her. So I'm not going to go up and approach her. And to do that means that I'm going to be exposed to all that pain. So I'm going to make you feel all that anxiety ahead of time. So you don't put yourself in that situation. The interesting thing is that you will then ignore anybody in that room that's actually interested in you, right? If you think back to high school Mm
0: -hmm.
1: at all those women who you could have dated and didn't because you were just flat out blind,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? That's all those instances where sure, somebody's attracted to you, but you don't actually deserve it. You're not good enough. So I'm not going to show you that opportunity.
0: Mm -hmm. right?
1: Or you go up and you talk to somebody hot and you actually get their phone number and then you don't ever follow up. Why? Because you're not good enough. You don't deserve it, right? It doesn't conform to that existing belief. So your unconscious mind is like, that's not true. Just starts ignoring it, which is part of why change can be so hard. Because number one, we often don't really know what those stories are that are running in the back of our head. It's hard to get to that stuff. Our unconscious mind doesn't always show that to us, right? And it gets to choose what to show our conscious mind. It's actually in control of that. And number two, if it's ignoring anything that doesn't match what it already believes, how do you shift that belief?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? It's kind of why talk therapy takes so long because it's like you got this belief over here where you're at, and you want to come over here. And those two things are too far apart to make that leap. So you kind of have to walk it slowly over time
0: mm-hmm. from
1: one place to another until it clicks. Right? That's a long, laborious process. And no, by the way, you have to figure out where the heck you're starting at first, which takes time. Right? Mm-hmm. The beautiful thing about hypnosis is. You're removing that critical factor. You're dropping that wall. You get that direct access to your unconscious mind. So I can go directly to that old belief, figure out exactly what it is, and take you from here to here in one go instead of having to walk you there over time because I don't have to deal with that wall. Mm-hmm. That's why hypnosis is so powerful a tool when you're talking about change because you don't have to fight your way through that process. You get to have that direct conversation, negotiation with your unconscious mind, show it the things it missed, show it the things it didn't understand back then, mm-hmm. right? Got this one at, you know uh example i use all the time right you're six years old you're hanging out on the playground little susie comes up to you calls you a poopy head so you figure your head isn't ugly nobody loves you right makes sense you're six right <laughs> mm-hmm. but we're not six anymore i'm in my 40s i'm assuming you're getting close there too we understand that there's something called flirting right mm-hmm. the boys run around punching little girls not because they hate them and they want to hurt them but because they like them. They want to get their attention and we're kind of stupid back then. We don't know what the heck else to do. So a mm-hmm. right? Maybe little Susie liked you so much that she wanted to get your attention and that was the best way she knew how, right? Maybe she was just having a bad day because mommy and daddy were mean to her and she was taking out on whoever happened to be nearby, right? Maybe she thought it was a funny joke and was trying to make your baby better, right? Mm-hmm. Any of those things could be true. It doesn't have to be I'm hideous and ugly. So if you walk your mind through those different examples and say, sure, you understood it this way, Here's all this other stuff that could be true, and if these things are true, then it means little Susie thought you were awesome, and went full stupid because you're too awesome for her. Not that you're hideous ugly. That's gonna take you down a very different path in life. Yeah, you can do that because you've dropped that wall when you're in that trance state. Yeah. You know, if I tell you that while we're just sitting here having beers, sure that makes sense, but that's not necessarily going to change that belief that you have back there. It's not going to change that story. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, that it, I had another question here too. So mm-hmm. that, that critical factor, is that the same as our ego? I, I read a book called uh, the last law of attraction book you ever need to read. And the guy mm-hmm. was saying that uh, he, he was saying that, you know, your, your mind's basically separated between conscious, subconscious, and then the ego and the ego is what, wants to keep things status quo. Would you say that's the same thing or is that kind of different? No,
1: I don't think so. Um, I think in that concept, the ego is the subconscious sense of self. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you've got a conscious idea of who you are and, and what you want in life and how you move through the world. Your unconscious mind has its own concept of self. Okay. Right? That's that summation of all those stories of like, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. People don't love me, whatever it happens to be, right? Sometimes that is in alignment with our conscious mind. And oftentimes when we're struggling, it's very much not, Right. So to me, that ego that they're talking about is that subconscious sense of self that is assembled on its own without bothering to ask you for permission, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Because it's always trying to process stuff as it's coming in, always trying to assign meaning to it, and it's doing that without bothering to consult your conscious mind, right? So it has its own sense of who you are, its own beliefs about who you are and how the world works, right? To me, that's more what the ego is, is that subconscious sense of self Mm -hmm. that may or may not be the same as your conscious sense of self. Okay. Right. All right. That, to me, that's not the, That's not the critical factor. The critical factor is really just think of it as like confirmation bias on steroids. Okay. It's the way that it's it's how your unconscious mind is judging truth and false, right and wrong from information from the outside world, right? Mm-hmm. And that's by comparing it to what it already believes. It's true if it conforms with what it already believes. If it doesn't conform with what it already believes, it's false by definition. Just gets safely ignored. Got it. That makes sense.
0: Yes, that does make sense. Um, now, now talking about law of attraction books, mm-hmm. a, a lot of those really, I mean, if you break it down, is it, it's a, it's about reprogramming your subconscious through things sure. like auto suggestion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, do you believe in the law of attraction at all, or do you think it just really comes down to su- subconscious programming? That's
1: a good question. Um, I don't know that it matters. <laughs> from a functional perspective. Okay. okay? No, am fine. I'm more, yeah. I'm more of a, if it works, it works, and I don't care why kind of guy. Okay. Um, so, if you want to believe that magic works and is actually getting results for you, knock yourself out. If you want to believe in the law of attraction that, that works for you, knock yourself out. Yes, there is a lot of power in programming your subconscious mind with the targets and the goals and the things you want to achieve in life. Mm-hmm. Right? The, you read books like uh, Psycho-Cybernetics. It's all about that. It's all about directly programming your unconscious mind with, I want this. Show me ways to get this. And when you do it correctly, yes, it creates that very powerful target for your unconscious mind to aim for. There's a couple of different issues with that, though. Number one, what you choose to aim for may not actually be what you want. <laughs> so be careful what you wish for. Okay. Right. You know, if you want happiness in life, you're aiming for Lambos and bottles. That may not actually give you what you want from that. Right. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, a great way to sabotage our, ourselves is to aim for stuff that looks good. And isn't actually fulfilling. Mm. I've worked with several guys who are seven and eight figure entrepreneurs who are living miserable lives. Sure. The outside looking in, they should have everything that they want, but they don't because it's not actually delivering them what they need. Right. The second thing is, as long as that target you're programming is something that your unconscious mind believes is good for you and will allow, you're good. Mm. If there's a conflict between what you want and what it believes you should have or that you deserve, doesn't matter how much law of attraction stuff you do. You're just not going to get it because it's not going to give it to you.
0: Yeah. Essentially, you don't believe it at the end of the day, right?
1: Fundamentally, your unconscious mind. Well, it's not that you don't believe it. It's that your unconscious mind doesn't believe it's something you should have, right? Mm -hmm. Either because it's dangerous, you don't deserve it. um, You're not capable enough to get it. Whatever that story happens to be, that thing that you want is off limits. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you're in that situation, you can tell it what you want all day long, but it's just to sit there and tell you no. And you go, No. Right, mm-hmm. for me, that's actually a very powerful diagnostic tool, right? Because if you've got this very clear vision of where you want to go, and you're just not doing anything, even though you're doing all the mindset work and the affirmations and writing stuff down, and you got the collage and the vision board, and you're meditating seven hours a day, <laughs> you're still not doing anything. Yeah, there's a reason. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very there's a very clear signal there that there is something wrong between what you're consciously desire and what your unconscious is is willing to to deliver for you and to help you get. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's the point. It's like, okay, I can do this all this conscious stuff all day long. It's not going to make a difference. I got to figure out what's going on underneath. Yeah, I got to figure out what's going on down there and fix that in order to be able to go where I want to go.
0: Yeah, and that the that book, the the last law of attraction book. Right. It, that's essentially what he's he's trying to accomplish in that book is and in like it's, he calls it the ego, uh, right. but I think really what he's talking about is that that um, critical factor that you're talking mm-hmm. about. But he's like, you, you need to. Basically bypass that in order to actually change your subconscious thinking. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it's essentially, he's, he's, he's doing it with uh, various methods of auto suggestion. And, and one of the things that he, he talks about in there, and you, and you mentioned it too, in one of the videos is that your mind has no concept of time. Right. So he, he's like, what, you know, if you stack uh, suggestions based on like past experience, because you know how you felt in that moment, uh, something currently happened, and then something you want in the future. Your mind doesn't know how to jumble, like do that time framing. Right. Um, so it will just believe that in that moment. And you're basically bypassing the critical factor. But I kind of get the impression, though, that hypnosis sort of just cuts out the bullshit, right? Like, I mean, like auto suggestion takes a long time to really do. I mean, you have to do it every day, right. constantly. Whereas I imagine if you do hypnosis right, you could probably get that programmed in in a session or two.
1: Yeah, and it really kind of depends again what you're trying to do, right? Uh-huh. The beautiful thing about hypnosis is it drops that critical, drops that wall between your conscious and your unconscious mind, bypasses a critical factor, all right? What you do when you're there is the magic. Auto-suggestion is a form of hypnosis.
0: Mm.
1: It is essentially self-hypnosis, right? What you're doing there is essentially affirmations on steroids, Okay. right? You're taking a suggestion you want, you are trying to like hammer it into your head as often as you can, you know, over time while you're in that altered state where the wall is down. So you're actually implanting it deeper, faster. It's a beautiful way to get stuff down there quick. The problem again is if there's a conflict between what you're trying to program and what your unconscious mind already believes, mm-hmm. right? so the reason that repetition takes so long is that you're trying to convince it over time to attract, to adopt that as a goal or as a thing right clarity over time right through repetition cool again if it doesn't believe you're supposed to have it you can do on a suggestion all day long for months and months on end and you're still not going to get anywhere right mm-hmm. yeah what i do and the beautiful thing about what i do is i'm like okay the stuff you're doing isn't working let me find out what's in the way. Let me figure out where the wires are crossed. And I'll go in there and I'll help you uncross all those wires so everything's actually plugged up right. It's where instead of leaving that you don't deserve it, you deserve it. Mm-hmm. Instead of being you're unworthy, you're worthy. You're good enough, right? There's no reason to be to fear judgment because the only reason you fear judgment is if you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not worried about people judging me because I'm freaking awesome. Right? Yeah, Judge me all day long, yeah. right? Judge me all day long. Right? Judge me all day long. Right? You think that somebody like Michael Jordan's worried about hopping out on the basketball court? No. He knows how good he is in that sphere. He has absolute confidence in that, right? So if we can go in there, we can uncross all those wires and get rid of all those walls and those barriers that are holding you back, then all that auto-suggestion stuff, all the affirmation stuff you're doing, all of a sudden starts working. Mm. Because now there's nothing in the way. There's no conflict between what you want and what your unconscious mind believes is good for you, right? Or wants to give you or thinks is allowed. Right? So for me. The beautiful thing about hypnosis is that number one, yeah, you're definitively dropping that, right? And a hypnotist can usually get you a lot deeper than you can get yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Because you kind of have to still have some conscious presence of awareness to like have the affirmations run and things like that. So number one, you can get deeper. Number two, a hypnotist is usually better able to frame things and suggest things to you in a way to have a greater impact. So you're usually able to get results faster. Mm -hmm. A really good hypnotist is going to be able to figure out what's in the way and fix that so that all these other suggestions have a greater impact faster.
0: Got it. Okay. That's
1: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in terms of, in terms of speed, like I had one guy who came to me who'd smoked weed every single day for 14 years. Um, one session he didn't smoke after that. Is that why he went to you though? He was like, I, I, I want to yep. give up weed. He wanted to give up weed and was like, cool. One session he smoked every single day for like 14 years. Didn't smoke after that
0: that's impressive. I have a, a friend of mine. Uh, she, uh, she went, she did marathon training with me like all mm-hmm. last year. And, uh, she's like, she's like the biggest fucking pothead I've ever met in my life. In fact, right. like we would go, uh, get ready to go on like a big run and mm-hmm. she would like toke up a bowl, like right before the run. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> are you serious right now? Like we're going to run 18 miles and, yeah. And she had to, uh, I want to, I want to talk to you about this sure. too in a little bit, but uh, she just went on a, a on an ayahuasca uh, excursion and she had sure. to, she had to stop taking weed and she was just like going Miserable. through, with, yeah, she's yeah. going through like withdrawals and stuff. It's It was hilarious. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk to you about that in a minute. Sure. Uh, one, one thing in, in one of your videos, you said that our, our current behavior solves a problem that we've had in our past.
1: Yeah. So the, the phrase is, today's problems are caused by yesterday's solutions. It's a phrase from a, a psychologist named Brett Steenbarger. who works with Wall Street guys, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea is that as we're moving through life, stuff comes up, we need to figure out a way to deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. So we come with a solution that works in the moment, right? And then we keep using that as the default behavior until such time as it doesn't work anymore, right? So um, let's see, what's a good one for me? All right. So one of my things, you know, my big story growing up for up until last summer was like, I'm different. Like I'm a different, fundamentally different from everybody else. Everybody else gets to live a good life rather than me uh, because they're normal and they get it. Right. And I'm different. Um, So my life itself doesn't actually have any meaning. Like I don't actually get to have good things in life, but my life is valuable if I sacrifice myself for the greater good. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. If I'm living for that higher purpose, helping everybody else, then my life has value and has meaning, even if I don't get shit. Right. It's Batman growing out and saving the world, even though he's living a miserable life. Right. Yeah. That worked really well because it kept me breathing for 45 years. Mm-hmm. The Problem, of course, is that I'd lived, had pretty miserable relationships, didn't really get it where I wanted to with my career and everything else. Right. So that became the new problem was that this old solution of throwing myself under the bus every other day was making me miserable in all these different ways, right? So that old solution of sacrifice for the greater good as a way to keep myself breathing, right? Because life wasn't really worth living otherwise, Mm -hmm. that became the new problem because it was actually making everything worse for me, right? Now, I had to go back and fix the not wanting to be alive piece (laughs) first before I could fix the throwing myself under the bus piece right? Sure. So whenever I'm looking at all these different things, um, I'm always looking for, okay, what is the impact of these behaviors? What is the goal of that behavior? Because that's going to tell me what problem your mind is trying to solve. Because if I can figure out why that's still a problem and fix that in a different way or show that the problem isn't actually a problem anymore, or maybe it never really was, then there's no reason to instigate that set of behaviors, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Worked with a client. Um, he grew up in a really shitty household, Right. Just miserable childhood. You know, didn't really want to be there. Didn't have a whole lot of reason to live either. Right. And the only things he enjoyed growing up were like comic books and food. Right. Comic books, candy. That was it. Right. Mm -hmm. So this guy is probably 350 pounds or so and just having a hell of a time trying to lose weight. Well, Mm -hmm. his main is his way to keep himself going. The only source of joy in his life for so long had been food. Right. Why are you ever going to let yourself stop eating if that's the only reason you have to live? Right, right. Yeah. So we had to go back and figure out that that's why he was eating so much all the time. And then we had to go back and give him other reasons to live and fix that piece so that now food wasn't the only thing he had to live for. Once you do that, then he can actually live a healthy life and actually diet and lose weight and exercise because he's not getting in the way of that thing that's keeping him alive. Yeah. Right. So yep. it's, about, it's about that. It's about figuring out, okay, this behavior has a purpose. What problem is it trying to solve? Figure out a new solution to that problem.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a, another note that I put down because mm-hmm. I, I put I put out a lot of TikToks um, yep. and stuff like that where I, you know, I tell men like, you know, get off your ass, go to the gym. Like excuses are like assholes. Everyone's got one. You know, I, you know, I put out a lot of videos like that. A lot of guys do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of motivational speakers that do that. Sure. But, but in one of your videos, you were saying that uh, that doesn't work for guys like comic book guy because. Yeah. They, you could tell them all day long. Hey, just do the work, man. Get off your butt. Hey, lo- go to sure. the gym, lose some weight. And they won't do it because they have a, a some kind of self-limiting belief. that says. They well, can't it's, do it. it's
1: a little bit deeper than that. It's actually more dangerous than that. Um, okay. It's literally life-threatening. Yeah. Kind of goes like this. When you've been in that place, when you've been in that dark, depressive place where life isn't worth living, you kind of want to give up. That's kind of that first step on the road to ending your life. Mm-hmm. right and your unconscious mind isn't stupid it recognizes that that's where that ends up right so as soon as you started walking down that path or if you've been in that place a couple times it's like okay now i have to have now i have to keep you alive even though you don't want to be mm. right so it now has to protect your life from your conscious mind because any your life is a conscious act of will
0: right mm-hmm.
1: so what it often does is like okay you started feeling that when you felt these things about yourself like you're powerless or you're weak or you're useless or you'll never succeed or whatever the heck it happens to be. So it has to keep you away from that as much as possible, right? And the mechanism that kind of comes into play is this idea that, okay, if I try and go for the things I really want, like if I really push myself to have these things and I fail, then it proves all that negative stuff I thought about myself is actually true. Like mm-hmm. I don't really deserve it. I'm never actually going to have it. Life doesn't actually have anything for me. There's really no reason, right? And if that happens, then you're back in that really dark place that leads you down to that path of ending your life. Mm. So since failure basically equals death and trying implies the possibility of failure, you're just not allowed to try. Mm. And so you come up with any excuse to where like, if you fail, you've got an excuse for it. It's like, well, I could have lost weight, but cake is delicious. Right. Or I could have gone to the gym, but I had this other stuff to do. Right. Mm -hmm. You never just, you just never really fully allow yourself to go for it. To give yourself an out if you do feel so you never prove to yourself all that stuff is true so you never go down that road again mm. right it's a it is literally a self-preservation and a preservation of life thing right? yeah back in july of last year went and did some plant medicines first time in my life i actually wanted to be alive that i can remember right i'm like outstanding great to be alive i'm gonna go freaking crush it life is gonna be amazing
0: Th- this was go, last year this 2021? was last july
1: 2021 july 29th 2021. First time I can remember feeling that way.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Right. Not a good thing when you're 45 years old <laughs> having that realization, not sure. really the best day, but I mean, it was a phenomenal because like, oh crap, like now I do want to be alive. Now I do want to like, go have this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I picked up, moved out of DC, moved down to Austin. I'm ready to start my new life. And I find myself kind of sitting around in my apartment with my thumb up, but, but and I'm like, what am I doing? So I'm working with a coach and she's asking like, so why, why wouldn't she? She's like, well, if I try, if I really try and like go big and go for, what I want, and I fail. Well, then maybe I don't deserve it after all. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe Mm -hmm. there isn't really anything in the world for me. I'm like, oh God, dang it. Cause I'd recognize that seeing, working with a number of clients who've been in that same space. I'm like, God damn it, I'm in the same space that they were. So then I had to go another, do more work, unfuck that piece, you know, to fix that piece of things. So that it was actually safe for me to try where failure didn't mean I didn't deserve it and it wasn't for me, right? Where it's just, okay, failure is just like a step on the, you know, on the path, right? Once I did that, and then about two months of just like self-soothing and like making myself feel good, like now I'm on that road where like things are actually easy, where it's not a struggle to push myself, Mm -hmm. where like I'm actually allowed to apply all my talents towards something because now it's not dangerous for me to do so.
0: Got it. Okay. That's that's interesting. Uh, So just... Although up until last year, even though you've yeah. you've been doing this work uh, mm-hmm. by that point, about a, about a year and a half. Huh? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, like, I wasn't actually allowed to, to do any of it on myself. Because okay. my subconscious mind was like, I see you and I know you all have your tricks. And if I let you do this, you're going to fix things that I don't want you to touch. So you're not allowed to do it. Right. So I had to hire other people to do work for me. Right. Um, and yeah, like I've been making six figures. I've been married twice. I had three kids. I have a very respectable notch count. From the outside looking at my life was good. And that was me not really wanting to be alive and just kind of taking things as they came.
0: Interesting. Right. That's good though that you had that self awareness. Uh, it figured that out.
1: Yeah. Well, it took me kicking myself in the face a lot and doing a lot of work and talking to other people and using other people as that sounding board to try and figure out what was going on. Right. And so I had a lot of help from a lot of very competent people to help me get those realizations. Yeah. But once I saw it, I was like, oh, I know what that is. This is the work I need to do. This is the thing that gets it fixed. And then once that's fixed, I'm good to go. Got it. Because I'd seen it in so many of my other clients. And guys who come into this space, a lot of them have been through some very rough stuff. They've been to some very dark places. So this is not uncommon at all for me to deal with. Yeah. I'd say probably a third or more of the guys that I deal with, clients that I have, have some variation of that at play. In addition to whatever problem they're they're actually coming to me to work on, there's also this other layer of not allowed to try because it's not safe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had, uh, I had Paul Benjamin on last year and one of the things that he, he talked about or he told me this was, a uh, off offline, but he was telling mm-hmm. me that, you know, one of the reasons that, um, you know, Rolo Tomasi does what he does is to, yep. uh, keep men alive. And yeah. I was like, what? Like, I never even thought about that as a purpose of the red pill. Yeah. So I, so I reached out to Rolo and got him on to say, like, how, how does Red Pill save lives? And we, we that led me down. Great interview,
1: yeah, yeah, a great that, interview.
0: Thank you. That that led me down like a whole other path of realizing that because man, I put out these videos where I, I basically call out like MGTOW and Black Pill guys, and I mm-hmm. call them a bunch of quitters and stuff like that. That's probably not helpful not really. <laughs> because not really because a lot of those guys. Uh, one what uh, one of the videos I saw you you were talking about those types of guys um, they're sort of in that space because they're focusing on things that they can't control because if they, they do like, if they try to focus on stuff that they can't control, then um, well, they, they, they don't have to try to be better, I guess. What
1: yeah. I'm like if, if they are doomed to failure because they are five foot seven, mm-hmm. then they don't have to try anymore. It's okay to give up. Yeah. It's okay not to try. It's, it's reasonable for them not to try because they can't overcome this limiting factor that they have no control over, right? Mm-hmm. If they've only got a class two jawline instead of a class four jawline, obviously they're going to be virgins forever. There's no reason to try, right? Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, guys like that are so far in that, down that dark path that like trying it all and failing, that's it, right? So giving them any reasons to be comfortable being stuck and giving up and not trying is actually a survival mechanism for them. It's keeping them alive. Mm. One thing I often say is that your unconscious mind doesn't really care if you're happy. Its job is to keep you breathing. Yeah. So if you're miserable and breathing, it's done its job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Those guys are often miserable. They are, however, breathing. Mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fundamentally speaking, right? Yeah. Now, how do you get through to guys like that and show them that change is possible? Oh, man, that's got to be hard. That's hard. I've had... One or two guys who have been MGTOW or Black Hill before come and work with me. Yeah. And I've got some really good results as a, as, as, you know, as a result of working with me. They've got made some serious progress really fast. So that's possible, right? Mm-hmm. But they have to be willing to take that step. Yep, They've got to be willing to actually sit down and say, okay, maybe there is another way. Maybe this isn't hopeless. Maybe it's not the fact that I've got a class two jawline. Maybe it's not the fact that I'm five foot seven maybe it's the fact that I'm not trying and I'm not trying because it's dangerous.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. Yeah. If it becomes safe to try, maybe I can actually have all that stuff that I wish I've had that I've been telling myself I can't.
0: Yeah. Maybe I should put out a video talking about my shitty jawline. I'm like, you know, I, (laughs) I was born with a shitty jawline. I am like stop me. Yeah, sure. But the thing is like, that's not
1: actually going to resonate because they say, Oh yeah, but you're special. You're different. You're the exception to the rule.
0: Right. Yeah. There's always, right. there's always an excuse, uh,
1: but yeah. And, and again, it's a survival mechanism for them. They're just trying to fucking keep breathing and I can't fault them for that. Is it miserable to listen to? Absolutely. Are there better ways? A hundred percent. Yeah. I'd rather they not rope.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, cause I, I had never even considered that as, cause I, it was funny like in the, in the man, manosphere space, they talk about right. how women are so, Solipsistic, right? They only see right. things from their point of view. I find that I see things from my point of view all the time. Well, like we're all a little solipsistic.
1: Sure, but it's I mean, it's just availability, right? It's just yeah. if you've never been exposed to it, if you've never had to work with people who are in that kind of space before, yeah. It's hard to recognize. Like it it one of the reasons I'm good at what I do is because I've been to a lot of those dark places. I've wanted to give up. I've yeah. been the guy who didn't have any value. I've been the guy who was anxious talking to girls. I've been the guy who sabotaged himself. And shot himself in the foot a million different times in a million different ways like i've been there done that i've lived that life and i've worked with hundreds of guys who have done very similar things i've worked with guys who have been physically abused sexually abused emotionally abused their entire life Mm -hmm. i've been with guys who have wanted to commit suicide i've been with guys who i had one guy tell me that he'd already been through therapy he'd already done a bunch of stuff and like if this doesn't work he doesn't know what he's going to do oh god that must be scary that was uh, no pressure it's fine no pressure you're good (laughs) Yeah. That was a rough one. Um, and then after working with me, he went and, you know, checked himself into an inpatient facility for a while. Right. But part of it was having somebody who had, who was, it was doing change work and doing healing that was coming at it from a masculine red pill perspective. And you yeah. actually talk to like having somebody like that, me, Paul Benjamin, guys in the space, you know, Ryan Fowler that are doing that kind of work are incredibly valuable because we'll actually speak to men as men on their level, helping them get where they want to be. Right. But if you're not working in that space, if you don't see how bad off some of these guys have it. Yeah. If you haven't heard the stories, man, it's easy to dismiss. Right. Yeah. part of the reason why a lot of these success gurus talk about like, oh, all you gotta have to, all you gotta do is just get disciplined and locked down and go for it. Cause that's what worked for them.
0: Yep.
1: Right. It, it worked for them. That's the way they've been. They don't understand why it wouldn't work for anybody else. Yeah. Right. And they've got this science behind it and they got this neuroscientist and these other guys that are saying the same thing, so obviously it works, right? And they're not wrong. Yeah. They're just not seeing the whole picture of why things aren't working. Sure. But one thing that I always like to point out is like all models are wrong, some models are useful. Okay. Okay. Where like every single like solution set, every single theory is wrong and incomplete in some way. A lot of them are useful. But when one model isn't working, you've got to sit down and figure out why, right? You got to actually start poking around and seeing where it's coming apart and where it's not working. Mm -hmm. And that's going to lead you to the actual solution. Right. Got it.
0: Another thing that I've, I've heard you talk about, and this is like Uh completely other end of the spectrum, right? Whereas there's guys that don't want to try, they don't want to do anything because you know, if, if they do, they might fail. Then there's the guys that will just work their asses off, become complete workaholics at an at expense to all other things in life too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. One thing I've actually seen um, with a number of guys who are extremely successful, like a couple seven, eight figure entrepreneurs that I've worked with, um, one guy in particular, right? This guy had, makes seven figures a year. He's got an eight figure business in his fifties, married, has kids. He has probably been through most every single addiction you can have, like sex, drugs, gambling, porn, alcohol, all of their stuff. Overcome each and every one of them, right? And he was having relationship troubles was his big thing relationship difficulty connecting that kind of thing right so we did a bunch of work and it came down to like he didn't deserve a good life basically for various reasons and so his mind was like doing whatever it could to sabotage his life so he couldn't live a good life
0: Mm.
1: right so one thing to recognize about your unconscious mind is it's fundamentally lazy so it takes the path of least resistance so guys who are very capable very talented, very smart, whatever it happens to be, they're usually able to go ahead and use that because it's too difficult, too much effort to screw with them in that space. Okay. Right. So it's like, okay, I can't stop you from making a bunch of money in your business. So I'm going to screw up the rest of your life. So you're miserable because that's <laughs> easier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So for him, he, you know, he'd been through every single different addiction and his mind was like, I can't let you live a good life. So it's just reaching for the next tool off the shelf. Get rid of drugs, great. Off to sex. great. sex, great. Off to, off to gambling and then off to alcoholism. And it's like, okay, take away all my addictions. Got done with the session. He's like, oh, fuck. I'm like, what? It's like right before the session, he had called his attorney to file for divorce.
0: Because
1: mm. his life was too good. Not enough chaos. Time to blow something up. Yeah. Taking away all his addictions. Grab the next thing off the shelf. The worst is going to mess you up really good. Oh, Cost yeah. Seven <laughs> figures, years of pain, mess up your relationship with your kids right on target. Yeah that was so would- like, "Oh crap." <laughs> Luckily, he was able to you know, get a hold of his attorney and pull things back and put that pin back in the grenade, right and had amazing time reconnecting with his wife and thinking of doing much, much better. But his mind was like, "I just need a tool. Just need some tool to mess up your life, because your life is too good, you're supposed to be miserable, so what am I going to grab off the shelf? Yeah, and just reach for the easiest, most appropriate thing, tool at the time to accomplish that goal.
0: Yeah, that's, right. I mean, that's, so that, and that's a, way different than the guys that just don't try, right? I mean, that's right. like self, that's self-destructive.
1: That's self-destructive. Oh, and the guys who aren't trying, it's a, it's a form of self-sabotage as well. Yeah. It's just that they're stuck so low that they've never actually accomplished everything and built anything to blow up. So okay. So they get sabotaged before they started. Guys who are really accomplished, usually it's, they get to build stuff, then they blow it up, go back to zero, build again, blow it up, go back to zero, build up, blow up, back to zero. Mm. Right, because it's too hard to stop them in that moment once they get that ball rolling. So it's like, okay, cool. I'll let you have the thing. I'll let you build the thing. I'll let you build it all nice and pretty. And as soon as you relax, that's when I push the dynamite button, I'll blow it all up for you. Wow, <laughs>
0: This is, this is fascinating to me though. Oh, yeah. Cause I, like I, it's funny, like uh, doing this research and stuff, mm-hmm. I, I was really, and, and i and talking to the other guys in the space and, and other guys mm-hmm. that, you know, they, they they have to do shadow work and, and all this stuff. And I, I think that's great. Um, yep. I just, I can't think of anything in my life where I was like, I don't think I have any like really deep rooted traumas. Sure. I might be and maybe, maybe they're there. I just, they're just tucked down deep. I don't know. Sure. But like I, I was raised, um, I did martial arts growing up. I had a really great, um, mentor in my, in my sensei really big on leadership. He was, he would have us do, uh, he called them leadership rules and black belt rules and be, be you know, before and after class. And they were essentially right. affirmations sure. and, you know, he was really big on, you know, you gotta be a leader, don't be a follower and stuff like that. And so I just had this mindset since I was, a you know, in fourth grade right. of being a leader and, and don't be a follower and, and it's stuff like that. And, um, it's really served me. I I feel in life, oh, yeah. and and so. But then going back to my own solipsism, like that's sort of like why didn't everybody have that? That
1: doesn't make any sense to me. Well, but. not everybody did. And the thing is, yeah. like, kind of going back to it, it's all about the stories we tell, right? Right. It's all about the stories we tell about our life. And so, if you're growing up and all the influences you have are you're not good enough and nothing you do matters, then are you going to be a leader? No. No. Yeah. Right. Great story. I had a client of mine. Kids in his like late twenties, early twenties, early thirties, right? Guy is multi-millionaire, seven figure business every year, right? And he was coming to me because he couldn't like switch that off. Mm. Couldn't relax. Couldn't actually like turn off the business side and actually enjoy all the life that he's got, right? Turns out one of the things we went back to visit was when he was like seven, eight years old. Um, growing up in England, you know, dad was Alcoholic abusive, all that kind of stuff, right? And remembering he was hiding under the bed. His mom was trying to hold the door of the apartment shut while his dad was trying to break in and kill them. And oh, he could wow. hear the sirens from the police coming and it's just like, either they get here or they don't. Wow. You know, either I'm dead or I'm not. And there's mm-hmm. nothing he could do about that, right? Now for a lot of people, that'd be, that would instill a very, sen- very clear sense of like powerlessness and you're a victim and you're weak and there's nothing you can do in life, right? Well, the thing is that he'd been mainlining like Zip Ziegler and uh, like Tony Robbins and all those guys since he was like in the crib, basically. Mm. And so he had this whole thing of like, you're, you're destined for greatness. You're going to crush it. You're going to change the world. Right? So he didn't go, I'm powerless. He went to my life could end at any moment. So I have to get started now. Oh, wow. I'm not allowed to wait. Right. So by the time he was in his teens and his early twenties, he was like coaching Olympic teams and stuff like that. I mean, guy was just like phenomenally productive because there was no time. Oh wow. Okay. Like, snatched away from in any freaking moment, right? So have to get after it because there's no time. Yeah. The that- only difference between him and somebody else is because he had those influences that says you're destined for greatness, everything else. So yeah, the yeah. lesson he took from that moment was very different from somebody who didn't have that influence, right?
0: Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that was a completely different direction that I think most people would take that.
1: Exactly, and the thing is like, you don't have to have gone through horrible, horrible trauma in your life to mess you up. Right. You don't. If Susie calls you a poopy head on the playground, is that the worst trauma in the world? No. Did anybody beat you? No. Can you still get messed up from it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I just thought of a trauma. I just thought of a trauma. Neglect is traumatic. Yeah. Death by a thousand cuts is still death. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) right but for me like I don't focus on the traumas yeah I don't I don't focus on that I just focus on because for me trauma is pain you're carrying around so that your unconscious mind has a tool to use to influence your behavior
0: right right it's the
1: stick it uses to beat you with to get you to do what it wants you to do okay right so for me and my model okay cool if there's no reason to beat you then do you have to carry around the stick no So you can get rid of the stick if there's no longer a reason to beat them. Yeah. So I help you find a reason so that you don't have to beat yourself anymore. And then get rid of the stick, which means you get to let go of all the associated trauma and all the emotional baggage. Got it. Okay. Right. That's kind of a byproduct of what I do. I don't actually go looking for the painful stuff. That's not necessary. Yeah. In in my methodology and what I do. You don't need the root cause. You just need to get rid of the stick. I just need to get rid of the stick. I just need to, so I don't look for the root cause. Yeah. Because I don't really care what it started. Right. Mm -hmm. Point is, you're still doing it yourself. So there's still a problem your mind is trying to solve today. So there's a million different examples of this problem in your life. So I don't want the first one. I want nice, clear examples of whatever that problem is. So I can understand the story around it, about who you are, how does the world work? How do you need to move through the world as a result? Okay. Because that's the thing that drives that pattern of behavior. If I can change that, then all these individual moments, all this individual trauma doesn't matter. All the individual ways that you're messing with yourself doesn't matter you don't Mm -hmm. have to go from gambling to sex to drugs to alcohol to blowing up relationships because that's just the tool your mind is using to accomplish that particular goal take away that need to accomplish that goal none of this other stuff matters right got it okay now that doesn't necessarily mean that the trauma trauma and the pain just goes away Mm -hmm. oftentimes a lot of it does sometimes there's some stuff you still have to feel through and process and cry through yeah there's some grieving, there's some anger you gotta process, and you just gotta feel that stuff, yeah, but it's a lot easier to feel it and process it when it's not being weaponized against you yeah, 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 right? okay,
0: that makes sense um I, I have one last question here, and then I think it. we can wrap up so i I mentioned ayahuasca uh, a little bit before, yeah. and um so like i said i I have uh you know my my training partner she's in, she's doing it right now, she's probably. Yeah. You know, her, her soul is probably watching this podcast as we speak. Good. Uh, <laughs> um, and then I, I had a, another uh, uh, acquaintance of mine that I met through TikTok came on, talked about her experience. I saw um, that one. Yeah. Ha- have you experienced it? I mean, it's essentially like using psychedelics to dig so, out that kind of stuff too, right? Or no, it's not the same.
1: Here's my view on psychedelics. Okay. I've done psilocybin. I've done LSD. I've done San Pedro, which is cousin of peyote. Um, I've done combo, which is Amazonian tree frog poison. It's not a psychedelic, but it's another kind of plant medicine, right? Mm -hmm. I've done Rome. I've done Hape, um, done a lot of that stuff in the past year. Um, I think those things are phenomenal. What they are basically doing is giving you access to your unconscious mind chemically. Okay. Push a button, roll the dice, the doors open up, something comes out, right? the difficulty with those things is that you have no control over where you go mm, okay right so you're opening the doors you don't necessarily know what's going to come out right ayahuasca in particular is very much a you get to deal with this whether you really want to or not kind of thing yeah <laughs> right So yeah. i've lsd tend to be very different on that way but all those are very much getting your access to giving yourself access to parts of your mind you can't usually get to because of that critical factor because of that wall right cool mm beautiful for giving yourself insight it's beautiful for giving yourself insight especially into things that you didn't realize you needed to go take a look at okay gotten a lot of really powerful insights that's part of how I came to that realization that yes the world is actually has stuff for me and to enjoy and I can have it and life is therefore worth living yeah was through uh MDMA and psilocybin and LSD um doing some of those things in very facilitated settings with a lot of coaches and a lot of healers around that i think is the best way to do any of these plant medicines in structured settings whether ritual or therapeutic or group where you have plenty of support from knowledgeable people who know what the hell they're doing yeah not in your living room not in your living room by yourself not yeah. necessarily the best idea yeah some people like to do that like for me that's never been how i've done it like if you want to microdose a little bit of mushrooms have a nice time microdose a little bit sd you have a nice time whatever it happens to be knock yourself out i think th- these are very powerful substances that need to be used in a, in a responsible way for a specific purpose. Yeah. That said, two things. Number one, well, number one, I'm, have, I was definitely on most of my things to do. I'm going to make that happen pretty soon. Okay. Number two, yeah, like, I'm, I'm really curious to see where I'm going to go with that, especially after I've done a lot of the work I've done.
0: Yeah. The stories I've heard, is like uh, Ron White did, sure. did, a, did a podcast interview with um, oh, Joe Rogan and mm-hmm. t- told his story. And I was just like, this stuff is just sounds like so trippy, you know? Yep. I mean, I'm hundred
1: percent on board, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I'm definitely doing more of that. I think I've done like enough recently that I'm still in an integration phase of putting myself back together and figuring out who I am now that I've done all this work. Okay. Cause it's not like you just keep pushing that edge and pushing that edge and pushing that edge. You do still need time to process and integrate and create your new self and figure out who that is now that you've done all this work. Okay. So I'm still in that kind of process right now. So I'm not ready for my next journey, but it's coming up soon. The next thing I'll say is that when you've done any sort of psychedelics, whether that's mushrooms, LSD, ayahuasca, and boga, any of those kinds of things, peyote, those kinds of stuff, that permanently alters your mind, Mm -hmm. right? Jordan Peterson was talking to Tim Ferriss about this stuff. And one of the things he says is that, you know, doing psychedelics permanently increases trait openness, your openness to new ideas, your openness to new experiences, your openness to new novelty, right? Right. So it increases that curiosity and kind of builds that connection between your conscious and your unconscious mind a little bit more solidly. It's easier to get down there. It's easier to open those doors. It's easier to cross that bridge, mm-hmm. which for me makes hypnosis with people who've done psychedelics phenomenal. It makes it easier, right? Oh, it makes it infinitely easier. Yeah. Because they've already been there. Those doors are like open so much easier. They already know what it's like to surrender on a journey and kind of allow themselves to be taken through that, right? Mm-hmm. They go deep. We get really powerful insights really fast and we get wicked powerful change wicked fast i love Mm -hmm. working with guys who've done psychedelics okay last but not least the thing about hypnosis that i love is that it's kind of like psychedelics and that we get that access to your your unconscious mind but i get to drive the boat Mm. i get to go looking for a specific thing deal with a specific issue and oh by the way do all the change work while you're still in that altered state where we still have direct access to your unconscious mind Part of the difficulty with working with plant medicines is that you're, most of the time you're going on the journey, getting all this insight coming back to reality and then trying to figure stuff out Well, that walls back up at that point. Yeah. Right. If you're doing the work and doing the change work and doing the integration, when that walls down, you still have direct access to your unconscious mind. You get to make those changes so much more quickly, so much easier than if you have to come back process and fight your way through that wall again.
0: Got it. Okay. So
1: you've got all this insight, but then you still have to do all the change work in that conscious state, you know, back in reality after the psychedelics have worn off, or we can go there, have the entire journey, get all the insight and do all the change work while you're still in your unconscious mind, while you still have access to that part of your mind. So that change work gets done so much faster when you're down there. Got it. I love plant medicines. I think they're phenomenal. I think they're phenomenal for getting insights. I have seen so many people get such powerful change on it. I am a hundred percent a fan. Do what people know what the hell they're doing in safe environments with lots of support. Hypnosis for me is a more targeted, more directed experience where I get to do more deliberate change much faster. Got it.
0: Okay. That was awesome. Um, yeah, man. Great conversation, Ryan. Where, where can uh, people find you online?
1: So my website is hypnosisformen.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter and on Instagram at hypnosisformen. Um, I'm often in the 1% group for Richard Cooper. I'm on with uh, Jonathan from Life Dating, his various uh, groups that he puts on. I'm always in those. You can find me on Telegram of those groups as well. Reach out. All right. I will put uh, links to. I don't have links to some of those other guys' stuff, but uh, sure.
0: I'll I'll post links to your social media and your website in the, uh, That'd in the description. That'd be
1: great. That right. would be great, Paul. This is wonderful. Um, anytime you want to do this again, just let me know.
0: Okay. Yeah. Definitely. I'll I'll definitely reach out. I'm sure. Outstanding. I'm going to have, I'm going to have uh, lots more questions after this. And people are going to be like, you should invest in this. I'll be like, uh, well, that's good. By, so, yeah. by all means.
1: By yep. all means. Right. Bring me on with the uh, with the lady that you like to do affirmations and positive change and law of attraction and psychedelics with. Yeah, That would be a good conversation.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, she would be down with that too, I'm sure. Yeah. That'd be cool. All right. I'll hook that up. I'll hook that up. Sweet. <laughs> all right, brother. Talk to you. Take today. care of
1: yourself. We'll talk to you soon. All right.
0: Bye. Ryan, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Um, you're welcome back. Anytime you want. Anytime you want to talk about something. If you have a new course or you know new one-on-one sessions, um, I, after we recorded this, there were uh, a couple of people that I saw on social media in the comments that mentioned certain problems that I thought you could help with. So I pointed them in your direction. Hopefully, hopefully you got some business out of that because um, I, I I know at least with our our mutual friend. Uh, the one that hooked this up. I don't know if he wants his name mentioned in this, but I know you helped him out quite a bit. So guys, if you need help and you think that hypnosis might be for you, reach out to Ryan. I put his contact information in the show notes. Other than that, that's all I have this week. We'll see you guys on Monday.
1: This has been the Come On Man Podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now.
0: Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description.
1: Now, go out and get it.